What is up, motherfuckers? It's your boy, Matt, with another Flock NFL podcast for the fan, by the fan. With me, as always, I got my buddy, Classy Joey Massey. What up, Massey? Let's get at it, Flockers. And welcome back, new member of the team. This guy's name is Ray. I don't know a lot about him. Haven't heard much from him lately. Ray, are you with us tonight? Yes. Yes, I am. I am back. Glad to be Welcome back, Mr. Stone. It's nice how you show up for a podcast right after a big Denver Broncos win. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. So, but tonight we're going to go over a six pack of questions and we will detail what's going on with the Jaguars. Was Leonard Fournette suspended enough? Who should the Ravens start? Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson? But my favorite topic of the evening only because I know Massey is so wrong here, was Baker Mayfield wrong in the way he treated Hugh Jackson after the game on Sunday? For those of you who missed it, Hugh Jackson came up, shook Baker's hand, Baker shook his hand, and then Hugh Jackson went in for the hug, and Baker just backed away, and Hugh patted him on the head like he was a little child, and Baker walked off. Afterwards... Baker says that's what happens when you go to a rival. Massey, do you think this was fair? Of course it's not fair. I mean, what? Okay, look, at, Hugh Jackson was the coach. I get it. He went to a rival team, a division rival. I get it. But the Browns fired Hugh Jackson. They fired him. He has no more allegiance to that team. A new team offered him a job, a paying job, he took it. What are you guys? Does people really expect you to be like, uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm not going to take this pig paying job to be able to take care of my family because, you know, I, I, I was a coach for one of your rivals before. No, of course not. We don't blame players for going to rival teams. I don't think it's wrong to blame a coach who's fired to go to a, a rival team. I mean, he's got to pay bills, too. Well, hold up, hold up. It's not a paying job. When he's fired by the Browns, they have to honor his contract. This season, the Browns are still paying him for the full season. So the Browns essentially are paying Hugh Jackson to go coach for one of their bitter rivals. He is still cashing checks from the Cleveland Browns while scheming to beat them using inside knowledge. Yeah, that's that's the game of football. I mean, that's that's well, sports. Well, you said you said to pay bills. He's not paying bills with this. Yeah, no, but he's in the future, in the future, because the, from all reports, he's he's in line for the to be the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, which is absolutely laughable. But about the future, I, I can't remember if uh, if you mentioned this, man. I, I dozed off for a second, but uh, did you mention that he's making four million dollars from the uh, Browns next year? As well. Oh, wow. So he's getting paid for the Browns for the next two years. And he is using the knowledge of the offense that he instilled and the offensive coaches that he hired in Cleveland to go and beat their offense, which Baker just put up four touchdowns against him. And then also, that's that's sports, man. And that's a shitty coach. And then I I remember we all, we all, yeah, I remember we all talked about hard knocks. Um, in the uh, during training camp, we when you sit in met- this chair, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, we all mentioned how he just seemed fake, like he seemed phony. The media, everyone across the media, was talking about how he just seemed phony. Well, don't you kind of get that impression that the players felt the same way? And then when he does go to the rival, it just it just um, multiplies it. Um, and then it's just the fact he did. Baker shook his hand. I mean, what else do you want from him? He shook his hand. He didn't yeah, you have door. to give someone a hug. And no, you don't. But then he went and trashed him afterwards in the, uh, the post-game talk. And look, at, I, look, this is my issue with it. You know, if this was came from a classy player, then I would think, oh, you know, you know, I, I don't really like it. But OK, I, I, I'm, you know, I let it slide a little bit or anything. Baker Mayfield is a douche and he's been a douche for a long time. And it seems like like, like just... Ryan Clark, like no, it's not just me. Like Ryan Clark came out today. Ryan Clark came out today and said, "Look, Baker Mayfield needs to grow up. He needs to grow up and become a man." Because that was Damian acts... Woody. No, Damian Woody said it because Baker no, Mayfield Ryan Clark back at him. 
Ryan yeah, Clark, that was awesome. Ryan Clark said it today on NFL um, NFL Network. He said it today that Baker Mayfield needs to grow up and become a man. I watched it. You can go check it out. He said that, and it's true. He still acts like a kid. And then he, what he does is he acts like a kid. He acts out, and then he doesn't own it. He always backtracks and apologizes for it. He's, you know, put planting the flag on Ohio State. People didn't like it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, complain. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you know, the whole thing with, um, was it the Kansas players where he was cursing them out on the sideline and grabbing his jock and, you know, towards them and, you know, then come, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't really. What does it have to do with not hugging your ex? No, that, you probably it's, a never liked. it's a pattern. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. He's a child. Bullshit. He's a child. Did you have he, a problem? He acts what? childish. Did you He's have a grown problem? man. He needs to grow up. That's the issue. I get it. Child, grow up. Got it. Move on. Did you did you appreciate what Demarius Randall did, giving the ball that he intercepted from the Bengals to Hugh Jackson? I saw that, and some people tried to play it off as like an honorable thing, but I kind of saw it as disrespectful. oh, that was not an honorable. No, thing. I saw yeah, I saw it as disrespectful. In my opinion, I didn't like it. I thought I thought I saw it as disrespectful. Look, the Browns didn't like Hugh Jackson. Right, no, he was a terrible so. coach. Yeah, garbage coach. Not yeah. a great person. According to the Browns, he's fake as shit. I'm sorry. If my fake-ass coach gets fired, gets paid millions of dollars, and takes insider secrets to the other team, I'm not hugging him. You know, reporters you know, would you hug him, a teammate that did that? About it. I'd hug a teammate. That's a okay, different it's the same. No, it's the same thing. Diff- There's a difference between a coworker and a boss. That's your boss. You don't have to like your boss. Yeah, but I'm saying the loyal. Where's why? Why is there have to be a loyalty line where Hugh Jackson can't do it as a coach, but any player is allowed to do it as as a teammate? Like, where is that line? Different. There's a difference between a teammate who is just one out of fifty three people being part of a team, and the entire head of the team going to a rival and seriously taking plays that he wrote himself with him. That is night and day difference. And if you can't see that difference, there's no way we can even have awesome. this conversation. You know what? You guys were just talking about – sorry, sorry, Ray. But you guys were just talking a couple weeks ago about how Hugh Jackson's not going to get a job, he's, you know, and everything like that. I said and, he wanted to get a head coaching job. And, and, yeah, and it looks like and it looks like you guys are going to be wrong. He's going to be a head coach probably next year. And look, he, he a lot of people thought he was going to be out of the league for a little bit. And you know what? He wasn't. He, he got a job offer right away. And I'm sorry, if I'm Hugh Jackson, if I'm a company and I get fired, I have no loyalty to that company anymore. And guess what? If their rival comes and offers me a job, I'm going to take it. Now, so uh, I don't want to – hold on. You guys are doing a lot of talking. Um, I don't mind Hugh doing what he did, actually, at all. I don't mind. He got fired. He took an opportunity to go somewhere else. And the co- if he didn't, he would have been forgotten and less chance of him getting a job this offseason. So I understand that, but I also don't have a problem with Baker. Baker's and Baker's very transparent, and I much rather have a leader that's transparent than than a leader that's fake in the podium. Also, I just want to remind everybody a quarterback that was very similar to Baker in the terms of the trash talking and things that he said in press conferences and to players. He made an opposing quarterback almost cry, and that player is Philip Rivers, who. People are praising, and he is a future Hall of Famer. But Philip Rivers was an asshole. Oh, he still is. He still is. Yeah. So, I think I, I don't don't I, see the problem. I think you could be done similar things. No, I think you could be a good player and still be a douche. Not everybody. Philip Rivers is, which Philip Rivers is, but that doesn't take away just because just because Philip Rivers is a douche and is a good player doesn't mean that Baker Mayfield can't be a douche and a good player too. Like I don't care if he's a good player or not. It has nothing to do with his playing. Ability on the field. All is off the field. He's a douchebag and he needs to grow up. Well, he's a good player without Hugh Jackson. Since Hugh Jackson got fired, Baker Mayfield has the second highest QB rating in the NFL. The only one with a better QB rating is Drew Brees. The man's been on fire without Hugh Jackson. Yeah, but let's also remember who he's played. I mean, seriously. like He played his own coach. He did. He did. And, you know, he played his own coach who has, the, like, the worst defense in the league. And then the next week he played uh, the Oakland Raiders who have, like, the, one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, you know, I mean, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see as they continue. You can only play the teams in front you, of you. You can. And we'll continue, we'll continue to see how he progresses 
as the, as the year going on. But he has played very, very well these last two games. So, well, that brings us to our next topic. And I'm just going to roll into it. I know we were saving this for later. But have the Cincinnati Bengals replaced the Cleveland Browns as the dumpster fire organization in the NFL? Ray? No. No, absolutely not. Uh, it's the Raiders. The Raiders are the dumpster fire organization in the NFL. Uh, when, when you, what are you doing back there? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Is everything okay? Sorry, my wife is making hot chocolate. It's fifty-five degrees in Florida. She needs she to. needs to make she needs to make coffee. Coffee and so, Chinese food. Yes, coffee, Chinese food. Um, but no, it's the Raiders. The Raiders are the trash organization now. They're the laughing stock. They're, the, they're the ones with the GM that has no say. They're the ones with a tenured head coach um, that's dumping all the players and and they, they are a living meme right now. The Bengals at least have five wins and. Uh, some promising younger players. I, I, I wouldn't say the Bengals. Can you name one? Cleveland Browns. Huh? Can you name one? Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, yeah. yeah. Easy day. Chalk it up. Win. Up next, Mass. Jesse Bates as well. No, yeah. but yeah, I'm going to agree. Um, the Bengals, I don't think, are the Browns, uh, the new Browns of the uh, NFL. I, 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 don't, I don't think the Bengals are particularly good. If they hire Hugh Jackson next year, that's a – you know, a uh, big question mark. Like, what do you guys think? Did you not just see how he did with the Browns, you know? And, you know, he, he that, that might drag them down to the Browns level. Oakland's really bad, as Ray said. Oakland's terrible. Oakland might Oakland be that one Oakland does day. have those three first-round picks at the moment. That's the truth, and that's the thing that's holding. But I still say the Browns are the Browns, guys. I mean, it, let's, let's not just say, okay, this one half season – is automatically takes the Browns out, out of from being the dumpster fire of the NFL. They they've had a couple good years here and there in the past fifteen years. They have, you know, in two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You know, they went to the playoffs. Yeah, Derek Anderson playoff. Yeah, year, they, right? they went to the playoffs. But yeah, and then they went back to being the Browns. You know, so this could be a fluke season. I don't take a half a season as saying, oh, the Browns are no longer. They have good talent. We'll see what they do with it. But we have to wait and see with them. And, and I think for the Browns, the biggest key, their most important decision of the last five, ten years was Baker Mayfield. Right now, it is looking like they got that decision right. I'm not saying 100%, but it's looking like it. Their next biggest decision, as Ray reorganizes his desk, is <laughs> the next head coach. Yes. And that is their big decision. Huge. I hope they don't get fooled by three, four, good games by offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchen um, that they've had, and I hope they clean house no matter what and go out there and get a Lincoln Riley, go out oh. and get a good head coach and develop Baker Mayfield. Bruce they Arians. Deserve it. Bruce, Bruce Arians. Arians. Yeah. Phenomenal hire for them. Really would be. Uh, and I don't think that the Raiders are going to be the new Browns because the Raiders have too many high draft picks. They got to make the right call. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. took Colton Miller. <laughs> yeah, they could pick Colton Miller, yeah. <laughs> Yo, you know who I saw them sign today? Chaz Green. <laughs> He's still in tackle. the league? Uh, actually, excuse me. I said offensive tackle. That's a, that's a typo. I meant offensive turn style. Turn style, yeah. Gave up Jeez. six sacks in one game to Adrian Claiborne last year. Who had eight on the year? I, nine because he got his bonus. Oh yeah, nine on the year. Yeah, that's right. I um I just want to say I don't think the Cleveland Browns are still the Cleveland Browns. I know it's only been, I mean it's we, I don't think we can just say it's been half a season. If you look at the early games with the garbage head coach that didn't know that he won the game yet or not, and he was still saying go for two, um, they had multiple overtime games. They were in almost every single game they played, regardless of who they played. They had the talent in the field and have a guy by the name of John Dorsey who the Kansas City Chiefs should be thinking for the success they currently have right now. Well, jo- part jo- of it. Can't discount Andy Reid. No, no, no. no. Coach. I'm, I'm just talking about the talent on the roster. That's what I'm speaking. I'm not talking about the scheme and the coaching. But John Dorsey knows what he what he's doing when it comes to the draft and accumulating talent. Now, we'll see what he does when he hires a coach. But the talent that he's accumulated and his track record tells me that they're in good hands. And that's why I think the Bengals are in such bad hands. 
I think that Mike Brown is one of the worst owners in the NFL. He is one of the cheapest owners yes. in the NFL. Um, the Bengals continuously have one of the worst training centers, practice facilities in the NFL. They have one of the lowest budget, budgets for scoutings. They don't believe in analytics. All the future stuff that the high-end teams like the Chiefs, the Rams, the Saints, the, the Patriots, the Eagles, that they're all doing to stay competitive are the last thing that the Bengals are thinking of. In fact, the Bengals like doing what's familiar. That's why Mike Brown has been there in that bad marriage waiting for the kids to graduate high school so they can finally get divorced. Well, <laughs> here's the problem with that plan. The kids are graduating high school this year. They're going to get divorced. And guess what? They're going to marry a dad just like the old one by hiring Hugh Jackson. A worse they dad. they hire Hugh Jackson, and I'm, this is not hyperbole. I want you to know he is literally the worst head coach in NFL history. Yes. That is by win percentage. That is a fact. That is math. No one can argue that. Statistically, he's the worst coach in the NFL history. And this week they leaked to the media that he might be their next head coach. Yeah, That's it's insane. Fire. Uh, let me just. Um, they me, make that higher. They're the new Browns. Yeah. So let me just edit my stance a little bit. I'm gonna hit the edit button. Um, so if they do hire Hugh Jackson, I will change my take in a heartbeat. But part of me thinks they did hire Hugh Jackson. He's no, on the no, team. As, as he the just got coach. his ass kicked and he knew the playbook. No, as, <laughs> the as man the head... had the other team's playbook three weeks ago and he got his ass kicked as a head coach. Because part of me thinks that they're just doing him a solid by maybe their thought process of, well, if we put it out there that we're looking at him for a head coach, maybe other teams will. Just, uh, you know how the NFL is. They just follow what everybody else does when it comes to the coaching prospects. So maybe that's what it is. But if they hire him, yeah, they're um, – yeah. They're, it's going to be really bad yeah. if they hire him. Yeah. yeah, I will feel bad for the Bengals fans. Go one or yeah. two, I know. All right, well, um, confessional time, and that is going to be me, and I would like to apologize to Fantasy Football Nation. I had one of two running backs on every fantasy roster I had this season. In the third round, I was targeting one of two guys because I figured, hey, stability, they're good, and they'll be great. So if you had Devontae Freeman or Shady McCoy on your fantasy team, just know that I'm the one who put the bad juju on you, and I would like to personally apologize. Mm. That's my bad, guys. At least Shady's had at least a game or two where it's just been decent. No, no, he, <laughs> he has not. And if he did, he was on my bench. Like he has I think he had been... like one or two that was decent. I'm not saying good, but I was like decent. But yeah, Devontae. I mean, like that's been under bad. ten, like nine fantasy points might be his decent. <laughs> it's it's been bad. It's been so bad. So that's my confessional. So that brings us to topic number three. Leonard Fournette was ejected and has now been suspended one game for his altercation in the Buffalo Bills-Jacksonville Jaguars game last Sunday. There was a fight breaking out, and Fournette, who wasn't even on the field, ran onto the field and interjected himself into the fight. And when the players were kicked out, they were actually kicked out in the same exit hallway, and they kept trying to fight in the hallway. The NFL gave him one game. Matthew, was this enough? Well, let me first by saying start by saying like this is that was a huge issue I mean, a big moment in the game because that was a back and forth game and Leonard Fournette was killing it he was really playing well in that game and for him to get kicked out like that that really killed the Jaguars and their chance to win that game but I'm gonna say yes this is enough and it's just like any other fighting in in different sports except hockey um obviously they're you're allowed to fight in hockey to a certain degree. But with, like, basketball and baseball, you look at it, and these guys that get into fighting them, baseball, they usually get about five, six games sometimes. Basketball, you're getting, like, two or three games. And if you look at it, 
compared to how long those seasons are, compared to how long the NFL season, I think it's about comparable um, for getting one game for a one game suspension for a fight. So as far as the the league goes, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good suspension for one game. Ray, what you think? Uh, I'm gonna disagree. Um, for the simple fact that he wasn't even in the, on the field. He wasn't even involved. And he ran onto the field to fight. Like, he went out of his way. It wasn't a he wasn't like a heat of the moment where he turned around and started throwing some punches. He thought about it. He ran out on the field. Say so it was premeditated, right? He deserves more than that. When NFL players get suspended for smoking weed for four games, and this dude ran on the field, to throw punches at um, other players, harming possibly harming other players. He deserves more, just like Gronkowski deserved more when he kicked the back of homeboy's head on the Bills last season. Well, in Fournette's defense, if he had been allowed to smoke weed, maybe he wouldn't have ran out there to fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, good point. But but that alone, the fact that, I mean, you do that anywhere else, you get charged with assault. But because it's in the football field and, and the stadium, it's allowed. I just... I think it was a it was it was poor judgment. It's a bad look for him, especially sitting like Massey said. He was so heavily involved, and he was the reason they were in that game. And he cared more about punching somebody than he did about his team's success. I, I, if I was a Jags Jags front office, I'd have uh, some concerns about this beyond what he did. Um, and if you just look at other situations, I mean, that was a straight up brawl. I mean, he was fighting dudes when he was going going into the tunnel, as Massey stated. I mean, we've seen it other in other um, leagues where, I mean, Ron Artes got suspended for sec- the whole season with the uh, brawl at the Palace. It's not, it wasn't that severe, Well, the but... difference is that was the malice at the Palace and yeah. the sprawl. And he fought fans. And he was fighting fans. Now, yeah, I will not, say this. For, to... If I may, for anyone who watched the highlights, they were literally right against the walls where the fans were. The fan honestly was in arm's reach. He could have reached out and hit either player had he wanted to. Now, thank God that didn't happen. That would have been ugly for the NFL. It has enough mm-hmm. of a black eye. Meodier would have ran away with it. But it was close. I will say this. League suspension, I think that's fine. Now, if I'm Gus Ramsey and I'm running the Jaguars, I'm going to suspend him an additional game for conduct detrimental to the team. I can agree with that. He was in that game. Right now, they have no control over that Jaguars locker room. You have Jalen Ramsey being a jackass all offseason, taunting everyone and anyone any second he can, literally sitting there in the game telling which Bills players they're trash, picking them on a line, telling them who's trash. No control. They had – Three or four players in London out till 4 a.m. skip out on, I think it was a $65,000 bar tab and get arrested the night before a game. They have no control in Jacksonville. They have to get it back. They just benched their starting QB. They just fired their offensive coordinator. It is far too little too late for this season, but they need to get that locker room back under control. For Tom Coughlin to be in charge of an organization – that doesn't have control, that is the exact opposite of how he has done everything else in his career. Sounds like it's a good transition to the next topic. Yeah. And with that, here's my transition. How would you fix the Jaguars, Joseph? Fix the Jaguars, man. Like, that's crazy. Going into the season, who thought we'd be talking about what do we got to do to fix the Jaguars team, you know? I mean, Ray and I both that, picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Like, as Tom so, Coughlin said, they were a whistle away from they were. the Super Bowl. If you look at that play, if you look at that play, that whistle was early. That should have been a touchdown. So it's it's so crazy how far they've fallen in this short of time. And you you know, and People question their decisions in the offseason of, hey, we're gonna we're not going to go after any of the quarterbacks. We're going to stick with um, Blake Bortles. Uh, t- Tom Coughlin actually came out today and said that he would fight anyone who wants to question his decision. Like, like that's how, like, riled up this team is right now and how Tom Coughlin's ready to throw down with people who are questioning his decisions in the offseason. And 
how you fix them, the first thing you got to do is you got to get a leader who can, I mean, you got to get rid of Doug Marone. He had, this team has spiraled out of control as, as Matt, you were saying, and they just have no control of the team. The team's doing whatever they want. Ramsey's saying and doing whatever he's want, even though he's not backing it up this year. Their defense is playing terrible. The quarterback play is awful. They need to fire Doug Marone. They need to get a quarter, a head coach in there that can reel these guys in. And then they need to get a quarterback. They need to find a quarterback bad because Blake Bortles is not the answer. I think Matt tried to pound that into our heads this offseason, but he's not the answer. They need a quarterback. And Cody Kessler's not the answer either, so they need to find something this offseason. Can we um, do a little bit more about how it's right in the offseason? I don't know what you're talking about. Right? Um, so, ignoring what Matt said, <laughs> um, so I'll, the Doug Marone thing that needs to happen, he's been fired, he's not a good coach. Um, he's not a strong enough leader. So, and also when it comes to coaching, one name that comes to mind just because I've seen him in videos and how he acts, um, but they also need an authoritarian type coach on the defensive side, because it's a very young defense that obviously lacks leadership and it's a very emotional uh, defense. And when you're an emotional team and when you're an immature team, when things are great, things are great. But as soon as things start to collapse, everything goes. So you need a need a defense coordinator to help bring that in as well. Somebody like a Greg Williams um, could could help do that. And then on the offensive side, besides a quarterback, they need better offensive skill players. I know Marcus Lee got injured, but Marcus Lee is not a true number one receiver. Um, he's a good number two. They need to improve their skill position players as well and help out on the offensive side to give to help out whatever quarterback they have next season. Mm-hmm. Well, for me to fix the Jaguars, the first thing I need is a time machine. And with my time machine, I'm going back to 2016. For any fans of the podcast who've been listening to us since day one, for anyone in the Flock NFL Facebook group, if you're listening to my voice, you're not in the group, add us. Just search us on Flock NFL Facebook search bar. You'll come up. We'll add your great debate in there. I have always said... I am not ever building a team around a high pick running back. Leonard Fournette, fourth pick overall, 2017 draft. A couple guys who went after him, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Pretty sure those guys have looked pretty good for their respective teams. I know one got injured, but he's bounced back, and uh, they've won eight in a row, and the other one is an MVP candidate right now. I think that if the Jaguars had gone back in time and instead of taking Leonard Fournette, had just taken either of those two quarterbacks, they would be in a night and day different situation right now. Massey, would you agree with that? I would agree with that, yeah. Ray, would you agree with that? I don't think you can uh, disagree with that. I mean, you're obviously right. And, and Fournette, and even with Fournette, Fournette's not a generational talent. Like, Fournette's not... Uh, on the level of Saquon, or on the level of Todd Gurley, or on the level of Ezekiel Elliott. He's He's, he wasn't even the best top 10 running back taken in that draft. Kristen McCaffrey has been lights out. Yeah, exactly. yeah but you know, you, know why, you know why they didn't draft Christian McCaffrey first. Because uh, <laughs> he's a little whitey. Same, re- same reason why he didn't get the Heisman, man. Yeah, well... We'll, we'll leave that to the side. But Jacksonville's problems started this offseason. No, it started back in 2017 when Blake Bortles was coming off of a 3-13 and season with 3,900 passing yards, 23 TDs, 16 touchdowns, and one of the worst interception rates in the entire NFL that year. And they said, you know what? Mm, we're good on quarterback for a bit. We're going to stick with Blake Bortles. This offense, offseason, they decided, eh, another $19 million. Let's stick with Blake Bortles again. Now, fine, they've benched Blake Bortles finally, but Cody Kessler is not the answer. When your answer to the quarterback solution is a Browns reject, <laughs> you're yeah. on the wrong path. They need to go out. They're going to have a top-10 draft pick. They need a new offensive coordinator. Um. Massey, who's that uh, Texas Tech guy you're big on right now? Hey, no. No, no, no. What's his name? 
Cliff Kingsbury. They need to go out. That's they need boy. to offer Cliff Kingsbury a shit ton of money. No, they do not. And they need to take the best quarterback available in this next draft. That is you how know, you fix the Jaguars. You know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to add something to this. It's, it had me thinking when you guys were talking. We're in this new age of NFL, right, where these college offensive schemes are coming to play, and they're working phenomenal. And the best teams are focusing on the quarterback-coach combo, putting skill position players around them and, and going that route, right? Mm-hmm. So Tom Coughlin is not going to do that. Tom Coughlin is an old-school guy, stuck his old way. I guarantee you he would never go that route. So until, for the Bill to – I can argue for the Jags to eventually succeed, they need to get rid of Coughlin. Because he's never going to come with the times. He's going to stick with the Doug Marone, run the ball uh, type offenses. He's never going to change. So I, I, I just don't see anything we talked about actually happening under Tom Coughlin. Hmm. He's disgruntled. He's literally the Clint Eastwood of NFL. Hmm. Might have a point. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going that far. But that's just me. So, um, Ray, you've been missing in action for a little bit. I need you to repent. Can you give me just at least one confession right now? I will confess. I was wrong, and I was wrong about the Giants' second overall draft pick. I have said all off season and all during the season that I do not have a problem with them taking Saquon Barkley because he's a genera- generational talent. And they're just going to quarterback the next year. However, the quarterbacks look pretty average coming into this draft class. And they would be in a far better shape if they were to have drafted Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, or even Josh Allen at this point than they would be with Saquon Barkley. Matt was right. You don't build around a first-round running back. So I will confess I was wrong about Barkley. Baller! We've got got a believer! It's time. You have seen the light, my son. Thank you for the confessional. And that brings us to our next topic. Speaking of someone who took a first-round quarterback this year... The Baltimore Ravens have just announced that Lamar Jackson will be starting over a healthy Joe Flacco this mm-hmm. Sunday. Justin Massa, you, you have said that you're a Flacco believer. You thought that Lamar Jackson wouldn't have a single start this entire year. Now Lamar Jackson is starting over him. That, is this your confessional where you admit you were wrong on that? That's not accurate, actually. What, what's they're, the accurate? They are saying Lamar Jackson will, um, will start this week, and it's only because Joe Flacco has not been cleared for game action. Yeah, I don't buy that shit. I like my version better. <laughs> of course you do. Either way, Lamar Jackson's on his third NFL start. If Flacco was healthy, would this be the right move or the wrong move? absolutely the wrong move like okay i get it they've won two games in a row like i get it but they've played two terrible teams in a row the cincinnati Bengals and the oakland raiders two of the worst teams in the league one of their rivals one is a rival but still it's it's a really bad team jackson (laughs) true but here's the thing lamar jackson's been a terror both of those games He's been he's been straight awful, completing just barely over fifty percent of his passes, and he has more interceptions than touchdowns. Yes, the only thing he's been able to do good in the games is run the ball, but that's what he's that's what he is. He's a he's a runner. He's not a passer. So unless your whole game plan is to run this guy twenty seven times a game like he had to do against the Bengals, then you're going to be in trouble. And you're not going to win a lot of games because this guy cannot throw the ball to win you the game. If you have to rely on Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to win a game, you are going to lose. Uh, I'm going to disagree for a couple of reasons. One, 
Ravens aren't going anywhere this year. The best they're going to get is a participation trophy in the playoffs if they make the playoffs. So with that being said, uh, Wacko for Flacco. Uh, Flacco will not be there next season. So you have a first-round quarterback. Why not see what you're going to get out of him? Yes, he has more interceptions than touchdowns, but guess who else does? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is an interception machine as well. Sam Darnold looks like a better throw than Lamar Jackson right now, but Lamar Jackson has made some nice throws. I watched, uh, I saw highlights of him where, they, where one of the QB guys was pointing out some of the throws he made. And he made some elite level throws, and not consistent. He still has a lot of it. No, it's true. I can show you the highlights. No, I'm just saying, like, he hasn't thrown for 200 yards yet. He hasn't thrown, he hasn't had a game where he's yeah. had. More touchdowns. He's had a game where he's won. What matters? Isn't winning the thing that matters the most in the NFL? Yeah, because like, his team what, is played well, and he just happened to win, come along at the same time. Happened happen to is, come along. He put up thirty-four points. No, last happened week. to come. No, I said happened to come along at the same time as they discovered their rookie running back Gus Edwards, who's been destroying teams. Thirty-four but, points last week is the second most points the Ravens have scored all year. But here's the thing: long. Joe Flacco has played much better. Than him, but the team I mean, hasn't been successful. Team success is the you gotta, only thing but, that okay, matters. Okay, he's played two, literally two of the worst teams in the league. Like, of course, you're going to win those games when you have a superior team around you. Yeah, Joe you, Flacco. And they have Joe it, Flacco would have beat those teams too. They've you had guys, a superior team around them all year, and I'm telling you, who have the Ravens beat that have impressed you this year? They. It's Nobody, just, but they haven't beat anybody that's impressed me with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. But that's the but point. That's the th- yeah, that's the point. Like, you're not losing anything. This season's a wash. You're not you have a legit playoff chance. With the Ravens have a legit yeah, playoff a participation chance. participation trophy. But when did you yeah, well, they said that. Future? Well, they said that in 2012, too, when, when they, they were going up against the Denver Broncos in the playoffs. But then what happened? And then they and went on and won a Super Bowl. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's, 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 let's focus that. What happened <laughs> in that game? How'd the Broncos do, Ray? You guys are bastards. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm just no, saying. My parents they, they were thought married, it was a participation. Oh, congratulations. You're in this, congratulations. You're in the playoffs, but you're going to lose to this unbelievable Denver Broncos team. And then they won. And then they went on to win the Super Bowl. You never know what's going to happen when you get to the playoffs. It's Look, Lamar Jackson's a first-round quarterback they believe is could be their future. They want to see what they have them to know what they're going to do next season. Why not see what they have? Also, John Harbaugh is – he could do two things with this. He might walk away, or if they don't make the playoffs, he's like, well, I said Lamar Jackson for the remainder of the season to see what he had, and maybe he gets another year with the team. So, so if, you, if he wants another year with the team, he's got to make the playoffs, and Lamar Jackson's not going to do that for him. Yeah, just, he might. And here's my question. Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback next year. Who is it, Massey? It's, oh, it's not going to be Joe Flacco. It's probably going to be Lamar Jackson. Well, if it's, it's gonna not going to be, gonna be Joe Flacco, no reason to go back to him. Exactly. It's too late. If you're you, not, no, if you're in the going, playoff hunt. They are in the playoff hunt. Why would you – you're in the playoff hunt. You're right on the cusp of it. Why would you decide, you know what, let's throw this season away it doesn't matter. Why would you be on the cusp of the playoffs and decide, never mind, let's throw the season away. Let's, it, it doesn't matter. Why would why? you? Here's my question sense. to you. Ask it this way. Why would you bench your 2-0 first-round rookie QB to go back to a guy who's been playing 500 football for the last five, six years? Because he's better, and he plays better, and he's been playing better this year. Hopefully, with the team playing better and with a more consistent running game with Gus Edwards, I think Joe Gus Flacco Edwards, will win teams. I think Gus Edwards is showing more now because Lamar Jackson is opening it up. The running game is always oh, yeah, better always. with running quarterbacks. I don't think Gus Edwards is nearly as effective with Joe Flacco back there also, because they have the um, double threat. They're running the option on some of them. That's why the is, running attack is so good right now. It's because they of Lamar will Jackson. not. They will. They have a shot at playoffs if they put Joe Flacco back in the seat as the starting quarterback. They have zero chance at the playoffs if they keep Lamar Jackson there. Okay. We, hold we up. Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ray, Ray, Ray. Make this a clip. I want it down. If they absolutely stick with Lamar save it, Jackson, save it. They will not percent. make the playoffs. They will not. I can. I guarantee you, they will not make the playoffs if Lamar Jackson is their starting quarterback for the rest of the and year. And Ray, you're just gonna play this in like Week 18 playoff preview because, for the Ravens no, game. That's fine because they're going to As have to win. They're gonna have to throw the ball to win, and he can't do it. Well, didn't didn't uh, 
Tim Tebow. Remember when Tim Tebow made the playoffs? And then they you know what? He's not as good Steelers. as Tim Tebow. What? He's he's a better runner than Tim Tebow, but he's not he's a, a better, better quarterback than Tim Tebow. No, he's, no, he's yes, not. He is. Yes, no, he's he is. not. Yes, he is. I watched every single game with Tim Tebow. That uh, man threw more not. balls into the dirt than any quarterback I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. He's barely he completing over fifty percent of his passes, and he has more touchdowns than uh, more interceptions than touchdowns. I don't know what you want to see from this guy to show more proof that he's not a good quarterback. He can't throw the ball. He's not accurate. Okay, we'll see. He's running on terrible teams right now. He had to run 30, he had to run 27 times. A quarterback had to run 27 times because his own team doesn't trust him to throw the ball. But they won. And that's what Against matters. a terrible team. That's fine. They're not going to play terrible teams for the rest of the year. They put up, he put up 34 points, which is the second most points they've put up all season. Against the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. And Flacco. Who have a negative 140 it. net points uh, differential. Negative 140. Okay. That is great. Phenomenal for them. I'm really proud. The Ravens put nine points on the Browns under Flacco. He hasn't been lighting the world on fire by any means. The Browns have a good defense. The Ravens put 23 points up on the Bengals under Flacco. They just put a different, points up. different, oh. different Bengals team. That was oh. when the Bengals were actually playing good defense. Remember when you guys were like, "Oh, they have oh. a good defense." Yeah, that was when they were actually. Flacco playing good. hasn't been that good, but you know what? We're going to Flacco has been much, much better. We will than Lamar Jackson. save this for your confessional. It will week never be a confessional. What's your confessional this week? My confessional this week has to go along with this team, and it has to do with Joe Flacco. I touted Joe Flacco to start the offseason or start the season. I said, you know, he's in another contract year. He's going to do what he did in 2012, not necessarily win the Super Bowl, but he's going to have a big year, try to get that big contract. And really, he hasn't done it. He's not been bad, but he's not been good. He, he, he has a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio, but it's because he only has 12 touchdowns. And so he's not putting up major stats. He's not putting up – he's, you know, he's, he's dinking and ducking. And a lot of it has to do with, unfortunately, they don't have a deep threat, and he's a deep threat quarterback. He's Blake Bortles Joe Fla- with a ring. Joe Flacco, yeah. And <laughs> Joe Flacco has not – he has not lived up to what I thought he would this year. And still better than Lamar Jackson, but he hasn't lived up to what I thought he would be. Well. It's nice to hear you eat crow on that, even though it was only half a crow. You'll be eating the second half of the crow in just a There's few weeks. There's no way. There's no way. Absolutely no way. And, and that brings us to our last topic of the evening. Andrew Luck, eight games in a row, three touchdowns and more. Guy has been on fire. One of two legitimate guys for comeback player of the year between him and J.J. Watt. Ray, is Andrew Luck elite again? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, he's elite because not only does he have eight games with three more touchdown passes in a row, he's looked phenomenal. He looks like he has velocity back. And then he just – look who he's doing it with. Before he got injured, he was taking scrub rosters to the playoffs. And now he has another scrub roster that might – that they have a legit playoff shot. This year, so yes, he's elite again. I love seeing it. I'm happy to see it. The more young, uh, quality quarterbacks we have, the better for the league. Massey, you agree with him? I'm actually going to agree with him. He's playing really good football. He started off kind of slow, getting back into it, getting back to playing football, getting hit, you know. But his offensive line has been solidified. You know, they're playing great football right now. They're protecting him, giving him time. And he went five you know, you games get, in a row without a sack. He did. They're playing great. And when you put you put just give him you don't even have to give him top talent. You give Andrew Luck a little bit of talent and he's gonna put up some he's gonna put up some numbers. And that's exactly what he's doing this year. He has thirty two touchdown passes, only eleven interceptions. Still a little bit high, but you know, he's gotta work back it. He's always been a high interception guy. Uh, you know, in the teens, interception guy. So, but 32 touchdowns, 
he's only eight behind his career high already. And we got, we got five games to go, you know, and he's completing 68% of his passes, 68, his previous high was 63. He's doing it very efficiently too. I, I just love the way the guy's playing. He's getting more and more comfortable as he's throwing the ball. I think he's only going to get better. And I'm going to key into why he's playing that well. The reason he's playing that well is Frank Reich, his new head coach. Um, Very possible. Guy who co- helped, you know, part of the brain trust and coaching up Carson Wentz last year. Now he's doing it with Andrew Luck. Luck finally has an offensive head coach who knows what he's doing. He finally has a GM who seems to know what he's doing. Build around that offensive line, giving him time to throw. But I don't think Andrew Luck is elite again yet. Massey pointed out the touchdowns at 32, but he also pointed out the interceptions at 11. To be elite to me, and elite to me is top three to five quarterbacks. Can we all agree on that definition? Yes. Yeah. To be elite to me, your interception rate can't be that high. He's currently sporting a 2.6% interception rate Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady Russell Wilson and Drew Brees has had that interception rate or worse three times in the last 10 years combined you are looking at 30 years of quarterbacking from Rodgers Brady Brees and seven years of quarterbacking from Russell Wilson and they've only had that three times in 37 seasons between the four of them. To be elite to me, you have to cut down on the picks. And Luck hasn't done that yet. Once he gets that interception rate lower, his career average is 2.6. He's at 2.5 right now. Once he gets that interception rate down to 2.0, down to 1.8, we can have the conversation with elite. But to be elite to me, you can't throw that many picks. So. So let me just comment on that. I got a couple things. One, what do you see in the league nowadays? So look at Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, even Drew Brees. Drew Brees is elite. I'm not trying to take anything from him. But Drew Brees, the top quarterbacks right now in the NFL, what are their offensive schemes? What are the offensive coordinators doing, their coaches doing? All these gimmick plays, finding ways to get guys open, like very, very um, um, in-depth calls, right, and schemes and so forth. Andrew Luck, could they just say drop back and find the open guy? No, absolutely not. You yes. have not been watching Colts football yep. with Frank Reich. I'm sorry, Massey. Step in here anytime. They have thrown to Andrew Luck twice in the last two weeks. I think that's part of the problem, having him go out and run routes. They've had their QB run routes the last two weeks, and you're saying it's just drop back and throw? That's bullshit, man. That's been the majority of the season. When I've watched them, and also, was Brett Favre never elite? Well, I, I, you know, you know, talking about Brett Favre, but is are, do you consider Mahomes elite? You're 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 building that guy up, but he, I mean, he has a higher interception I'm, percentage than I'm not Andrew Luck does. I didn't call him elite. I think Mahomes okay. is great in having a great season. To me, to be elite, you have to do it. That's another point against Luck to me. To be elite, to me, you have to do it for multiple seasons. And Luck has been injured and not been able to do it. If you notice, the four guys I named, some of them having great seasons, some of them having bad seasons in Aaron Rodgers. But the four guys I named are not guys where I say, hey, is Tom Brady elite, Aaron Rodgers elite, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. It's a unanimous yes from everybody for the most part, unless they're just hating for some reason and they're a Bears fan. Uh, <laughs> which we'll have Guy Massey on the next podcast. Uh, but Guy Massey, uh, yeah, <laughs> he is the Bears version of Massey. <laughs> he is the Bears version of Massey. But those are elite QBs to me. They have the low interception rate. I wouldn't call Mahomes elite yet. He's done it for eleven games. He has a high pick rate. He has never done it in the playoff game. That's not elite yet. Phenomenal okay. season. But Nick Foles has had a phenomenal season before. He's not elite either. I'll give you. Is that, that fair? That's fair. That's, that, I think that's fair. I think Andrew Luck is well on his way, um, but we'll have to see. Um, but I, I think he's only going to get better. I really do. I think he had a, a rougher start to the year, and he's getting into it. You know, getting 
not just getting it, but getting back into football, and then also getting back into under well, getting into Frank Reich's system. Just and to like that. just to pick apart your whole interception thing. Is Alex Smith an elite quarterback? It's not interceptions alone, Ray. There's other things too. Touchdowns count as well. Yeah. Alex so, Smith isn't very good at those. It's one part of the puzzle. It's like you're looking on. at the corner piece no, and trying to see the whole stop. picture, dude. Don't don't try to skate around. 2017, Alex Smith had 26. Touchdowns only five interceptions, 104 quarterback rating. So that fits your your um, your curriculum there for an elite quarterback. So was Alex Smith elite that year? Pretty. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because he already said he explained that Foles had a year like that, but Foles is not not elite. I also said you have to do it for multiple seasons, right? That's mm. part of it. What did Alex Smith do before his injury? And I'm not begrudging the man by any means. That injury was brutal. I'm not picking him apart, but he had 10 touchdowns this year. That's not elite. Two years ago, he had 15 touchdowns. That's not elite. So, yeah. No, Alex Smith, sure as shit, is an elite. He had a good season. So, 40 and 16 is an elite? 40 and 16 record? No, 40 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. That's not elite with 4,700 yards. Who are you going with there? Are you going with yeah, Andrew, Andrew Luck? Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Luck, 2014, yeah. What I'm saying is he's before. That is pre-injury Andrew Luck. I got to see healthy Andrew Luck for a longer period of time, and I have to see him cut down the interceptions. You can't just pick one season by oh a guy God. and try to use it in this so, I so, went back for Carson 10 Wentz years then, right? of the elite QB. Carson Wentz is you want to – No. He's not. I just want to get you a myth on podcast. Okay, cool. Carry on. That's fine. Elite right now, Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Those are the four elite QBs. When I think elite, those are the only four I think. Can Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck replace them, take over that elite status? Absolutely. We're not there yet. Okay. So we good there? Sure. I think we're good. End of the day, is Andrew Luck currently elite, Ray? Yes. Massey, is he currently elite? <sighs> I'm going to say no because I think he's on his way, but I'm going to say right now there's still four or five guys better than him right currently in the NFL right now. He's also six and five right now. It's not a great record. Yeah, but he's won like five in a row, man. And look at the roster. I wonder what he would do with Sean Payton on the Saints. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, they, um, they wouldn't be. He wouldn't be doing what Breeze is doing, but he'd be playing really well. Well, hold up, Sean Payton, great coach. I think Frank Reich is a great coach too. If you look at the two seasons he's had back to back with quarterbacks, wasn't the head coach last year, but pretty sure he turned into a great season. I'm not saying Frank Reich is Better Sean Payton coach. yet by any means, but I'm saying if I were to think of the top four or five head coaches. On the offensive side of the ball, I think he's in the conversation. I agree with that. He's not there yet, but I would, I'd want him running a franchise from the offensive side. You got Peyton, you got Mc, McVay, got Andy Reid. You might throw in Kyle Shanahan. You might throw in Doug Peterson, but no. I think Frank – I said you might, but Frank <laughs> Wright is a name you might throw in in that conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Josh McDaniels. Freaking prick. So, with that, it brings us to our favorite topic. Raystone, you've been gone so long. We have missed you dearly. We have tried to replace you. We've tried to do two-man podcasts. So, I got to ask, what you talking about? What I'm talking about is I just want to say I'm happy to be back. Give you a little reason why. I had a lot of homework to do. I'm a full-time employee and a full-time student, and I just got a little bogged down, especially because I enrolled in two more classes. So I had to get my schedule back going before I could do the podcast again. And then the other thing I'm talking about is Guy. You said that uh, at the closing, you did a great job. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Appreciate you coming in. Appreciate you doing the next podcast. But uh, the last podcast was not the highest ratings we've had. Massey, <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> what I'm talking about is I'm going to explain why Jerry Jones is the best owner, not GM, he's oh a terrible GM, but owner in the NFL. And this is a great story about what Jerry Jones continues to do. He's beloved by his players. 
And Guy mentioned it last week on the last podcast um, after the after the game last week or two weeks ago now. Uh, Michael Gallup was pulled out of the locker room with his team celebrating, and he was informed by his sister outside the locker room that his brother had committed suicide. Very tragic, very emotional moment for him. He went from a high of you know beating a, div- a hated division rival to finding out that his his brother uh, was now gone from this world, and so Jerry Jones found out. Jason Garrett found out. And they they released him. They said, "Hey, don't even worry about practice. Go home. You know, don't you don't have to practice with you this week. We'll contact you later, and um, we'll get in touch with you." So he went home, and he went home to be with his family where he needed to be. And Jerry Jones contacted him on Wednesday night and said, "Hey, you don't have to play this game on Thursday on Thanksgiving. You can be there with your family. Like, don't worry about it." But if you do want to play, let me know. I will send my private jet to your house, well, to there, and it'll pick you up and it'll bring you back for the game um, on Thursday night. And Gallup talked with his family and decided that he did want to play. And Jerry Jones sent him his, sent his private jet to pick up Gallup and bring him back to the game so he could play with his family, uh, with his football family. And, you know, just a really difficult situation, a difficult story. But once again, you might not like Jerry Jones as a businessman. You might not like him as a GM, but he's always been a class act owner who takes care of his his players, and I, I respect that. Matt, what you talking about? Well, you're talking about one of the best owners in the NFL, and uh, I think good owners hire GMs. But I would like to talk about one of the worst owners in the NFL. No, this is not an NFC East thing. This is just a Dan Snyder is a jackass thing. He has been a horrible owner. Their organization has been a dumpster fire in the front office for numerous years running now. It has been a joke the way they've treated their staff in firings and hirings. And now he is going out and signing a piece of shit in Reuben Foster. He claimed him as a free agent waiver today, claimed him off waivers, He's on the team. He's sitting out because he's on the commissioner's exempt list. But he's taken a shot on another trashy reclamation project. At what point do you just say no to stuff like that? Dan Snyder, I know many Redskins fans are happy with you, but I also know many of them are speechless and without words. This is a man who should not be on a team right now. He needs to get his life right. He needs to get away from the girl that he's had issues with. And dude needs some counseling, man. He does. He doesn't need to be signed into your dumpster fire organization. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Doug Williams just came out and released a statement for the Redskins, basically saying, hey, we have signed him, you know, that he's going to have to go through his legal steps. Um, But what they're saying is he says, we decided to investigate the situation with Ruben further by claiming his rights after candid conversations with a number of ex-Alabama teammates and current Washington Redskins players who were overwhelmingly supportive of us taking this chance. Nothing is promised to Ruben, but we are hopeful being around so many of his former teammates and friends will eventually provide him with the best opportunity best possible environment to succeed both personally and professionally so basically as they said we wanted to claim him so we could further investigate how about you take a second to investigate the situation and then see if you need to sign this man i agree 100 percent because you can't trust former teammates to have someone's back because guess what both pouncy twins backed aaron hernandez who was arrested for murder donald darby Back Jameis Winston. Yeah. And his Uber situation. Absolutely. Ronald and his brother Donald both backed him. So you can't (laughs) trust the players. You have to trust the coaches. That's who you need to talk to. Just like Sean Payton talked to Ruben Foster before on draft night and decided to shy away and let John Lynch take the risk. Looks like Payton was right. So with that... Thank you for listening to another Flock NFL podcast for the fans, by the fans. As I said, check out our podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Soundboard, um, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are found. 
You can listen to our sweet, sweet voices, and you can debate us live on the Flock NFL Facebook group. Ray, say goodnight to the people. Jerry Jones and Greg Hardy. Peace out. <laughs> Massey. I said he's a terrible GM. <laughs> terrible GM. Greg Hardy's a piece of shit. I'm out. Deuces, lockers. <laughs> Peace out, motherfucker.